and in the context of fighting with someone or being mistreated by someone, if, you know, if you get yelled at by someone, you have to realize like, that's not actually what they want. They're, they didn't wake up that morning like, oh, it's a really nice day. You know what I'd love to do today? Let me find Brian. I just want to scream at him. Like, that'd be great. Let me just do that. No, like there's something going on inside of them that they want. And they feel that you're a threat to that or you stand in the way or you're working against it or something that is taking away from that quest they have for the thing that they care about. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 653. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, my friend, I welcome you back to the Positive Productivity Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here listening today because I know this conversation is going to be so incredible, and I know that because it's with my friend Brian Felchuk, but I want to ask you, while you're listening, when you hear that big aha, could you hop on over to your favorite listening platform and leave a rating and review, not only for me, but for our guest today, Brian Felchuk, because he is also a podcaster. Just a reminder that even though we are on this side of the microphone, we love, cherish, appreciate, put in any other ad- adjectives that you want right here, your feedback. And we do respond because we, like you, are humans and the feedback, it, it's what keeps us going. But our guest today is my dear friend, Brian Felchuk. He was our guest on episode 168. So I can't believe what. I am not in a math state this morning, Brian, with 500 episodes. It's been that's, 500 episodes. That's crazy, Kim. Yeah, I, yeah. I Don't ask me to do any more math. But <laughs> so, I mean, just so much has changed, but so little has changed, which is something yeah. that I love. We can just pick up. We can keep on chatting. I mean, listeners, we just did that last week on Brian's show. So <laughs> there will be a link in the show notes to Brian. I, I'm on Brian's show, but would you mind giving a brief overview of who you are? But I'm going to just say, listeners, go back and listen to episode 168 too, because I really want this to be a part two and you'll get so much greatness over there too. Well, and that's, we really dug into like my personal backstory Mm -hmm. and I'm sure we'll touch on that stuff. But, um, I, like I, I came away moved which I don't know if that sounds egotistical, like talking about myself moved me, but it's like you get in a conversation like that, <clears throat> excuse me, with someone you just click with and it moves you forward. You know, like it, it, it's a way of doing introspection and self-work through the conversation. And I mean, I, I like that was the first time we ever talked and um, I just felt totally like close and connected to you. And, and obviously you felt it too. And that's why we then, um, you know, you invited me into this mastermind you're setting up and we've stayed connected ever since, but it was, it was a pretty deep conversation considering, you know, we'd never spoken before. Absolutely. So I was sharing with Brian just before we got on here that I've been spending a little bit of time recently cleaning up old episodes, optimizing the SEO on them, getting out, getting them onto Pinterest. And just this, in the past few days, I, Brian's first episode was actually one that was cleaned up, but it, Brian, yesterday I was cleaning up a couple from, um, and I'm just going to throw the name out there, but a couple people from Interview Valet. Mm-hmm. And it was really fascinating to listen to them because we were talking about the power of podcasting and not necessarily being a podcaster, but b- being a guest. I was about to say being a guester. <laughs> Why a. isn't that a word? AM grammar. Right. Really? Yeah. Grammar. Uh, <laughs> guester. Guester. And just like you were saying just now, it really, that first conversation is a true testament to the yeah. power of being a guest yeah. because the unretireables, I think, I think Michael Levitt was the one that I had initially talked to about it, but, and mm. he's a former guest too, guester uh, on the positive productivity podcast. But Michael and I had talked about meeting once a week to stay accountable. And then you and I had this fabulous chat. And then you also introduced me to Aaron Keith Hawkins. Yeah. And then Roger came in. All, all of the people that I'm talking about, listeners, are former guests. And they're really, I won't 
associate with people who are high integrity and Brian included this whole group was high integrity and we named ourselves the unretireables because although some people were still working full-time jobs, some of us were already entrepreneurs, but at the end of the day, we all knew that we had a passion that at the end of our career, if it, if it's full-time, but even when we're 70, if we're still employed, we don't see ourselves being able to retire because we love what we do that much. Yeah. Yeah, it was not the name. Uh, the name was not about just kicking back on the beach, although nothing wrong with that. I will take it if I can get it. Mm-hmm. But about when you're when you're doing something that's connected to your purpose, to your passion, that you feel a reason for doing beyond having income to pay the bills. Um, it's not something you ever want to stop. And so it was like we're not able to retire, even if we're technically retired or retired from corporate life or you know that more structured like working for someone else kind of space. Absolutely. Brian, I've noticed, and you've seen this pattern with me, that there's sometimes a struggle with doing what we love because we love it so much that we're willing to do it for free. Yeah. But if we do it for free, then we struggle financially. Yeah. And then we we feel more inclined to do things that we don't love to do. Yeah. And it's a vicious circle. Well, and it's like we when we do it for free or for less than we should do it for we have to do more of it. And so like we end up 24 seven undervalue doing things for a, uh, an in, insufficient value because then we're stuck in chase mode and you don't want to say no to anything because you need that little bit extra, but it's like none of that really values what you could be creating. And so it takes away from the impact you get to have. When you were on the first time you were traveling back and forth to Atlanta, like yeah. every single week from every Boston. Week. Yeah. And Sometimes I went to other cities, but <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I didn't have a job in town. I, my, my office was, you know, a thousand miles away. For anybody who's listening, if you are working a full-time job and you dream of starting your bis- a, a business and you don't know how you're going to find time, you can find the time. Brian, where were you finding the time? Well, you know, I, I was really tired um, cause it's a rough lifestyle. Like Monday mornings, I was up at like two or two thirty in the morning to catch that first flight out of Boston to Atlanta. But I also found myself with like five to six hours a week on a plane, at least actually, cause there's plenty of weeks where I'd be in multiple cities flying between all of them. And it's like, look, you know, I, I have work to do and I get my work done, but I also could be just vegging out and watching a show or reading, or I don't really sleep on planes. So I didn't, you know, I I didn't have that issue, but why don't I make something of this? Like I have all this time and yeah, there's in-flight Wi-Fi, but I'm super cheap. So I'm not paying 10 bucks. Um, So it's like, no one's going to bother me. Why can't I create for myself? And you know, that the thing that we talked about when I was on the first time was my first book due a day that was almost entirely written on planes and like 35, 40% of it, something like that was written the morning after I had the idea for it um, on a flight from San Francisco to Boston, because it's a really long flight. And I was just so inspired. Um, and no one expected to hear from me all day because they knew I'd be on this long flight. So it was like, I'm just going to run with this. And I, I dedicated all of that lifestyle cost that I had for my job to trying to build something more around my purpose. And that was, that was a conscious choice. And it, there were plenty of times where I was just exhausted or frustrated or really just wanted to watch a show and just kind of shut my brain off. Um, mm. But I got so much out of engaging that way and making that time my own that I, I'm really glad I did it. You know, I got every, every time we'd land, I would be like, Oh no, I just like five more minutes, you know, like you get so into it and you feel what you're creating. I have so much to say on that. Number one, yeah, I, I I don't sleep on planes on purpose because mm. I've woken myself up snoring on planes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for your neck either. Like, no, yeah. absolutely not. And carrying around those little U-shaped pillows, mm-hmm. it, it's that's just a hazard for me. I mean, yeah. I can, well, you know, Brian, I mean, I spilt my bottle of water in my lap just before we hopped on the call today. So... It's just, it really is. It's a hazard waiting to happen. I'm either going to spill my coffee or somebody else's. Number two, 
I always assumed that you would purchase like the monthly Wi-Fi pack and that you were making a conscious decision not to use it. No, no. I mean, I will say like I earn status with um, a a plus, I guess a plus, a list preferred or a list plus, whatever it is, status with Southwest really quickly because once they started flying Atlanta to Boston, that's who I flew. And um, so I did have free Wi-Fi like my second year on the job. Um, I just didn't use it very much. Mm-hmm. On purpose. I wish we had Southwest and Dayton. I remember having a whole conversation about Southwest with you. Don't yeah, because I was I was trying to give you my points or my miles to fly somewhere to, to fly to San Diego. Yeah. 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 Uh, I <laughs> listeners, Brian has known me through the the good, the bad, and the very ugly. And <laughs> I think I was down to maybe three days before I was supposed to be in San Diego, and I still hadn't purchased my flight yet. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm a super planner. So I'm feeling all anxious about like, she doesn't have her ticket. What's going on? Like, we got to get this, you know, I'm, I'm all worked up. Like I'm going to miss a flight. Yep. <laughs> Somehow it all worked out. Not with Southwest because that was going to require me to drive to Indianapolis or something. Yeah. 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 And then I love, I didn't do this on purpose because there's no part of the show that is on purpose, but the, the, Third point that I wanted to bring up will segue perfectly into your book. Okay. When you're on flights or when you were on flights, I often found a mix between wanting to connect to people and wanting them to leave me the heck of the <laughs> heck alone. Because yeah. I'm an introvert and I've had awesome, incredible conversations come out of traveling. But at the same time, there are those times that I'm just like, don't even look at me. Yeah. Don't ask me what my name is. Don't ask me why I'm flying. You know. And yeah. I feel so antisocial then, yeah. but there's, there's those times that I just want to be left alone. I'm, and I wish I did sleep, but seriously, that, that time that I woke myself up snoring, I mean, that scarred <laughs> me for life. I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. So how did your book, The 5075 Solution, Build Better Relationships, how did that come about? I mean, was it, I just had to ask, was it at all inspired by relationship building while traveling? Um, not, no, not at all. I mean, in a sense, the traveling was about escaping the relationship I needed to work on. Um, so I have to correct you because the title's not a good title. It's not catchy. It's not memorable. It's odd. And, and you messed it up. So I got to call it out just because productivity, please fix it. No, no. So it's the 50, 75, 100 solution. Okay. And it's about build better relationships. The hundreds, what you're working for, it's a hundred percent better because that's what you want relationships. It's fine. Like you're, it's, it's okay. You're working towards it. And, and like, I don't, I don't bemoan anyone for doing that. Cause it's not, most people are like, what is it? 25, 50, 75 hike. Like, yeah, it's like a football quarterback calling out the plays. What did um, I say? Because f- I'm staring. 50, 75, 100, 50, 75 solution. Uh, I'm staring right at it. That's okay. Oh my gosh. No, but well, isn't that so, it, it's so appropriate though, because that hundred is the heart. That's what we miss. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting. I mean, most people get the 50 and they lose the rest of it. And the 50 is how most of us live our relationships, a 50-50, you versus me, us versus them, um, kind of locking horns. Like if you could see me right now, I'm like bashing my fists together, um, like punching each other because that's how we tend to go into it. It's like, why are they treating me this way? Why are they so difficult? Why won't they love me more? Why won't they give me that promotion? Why, why, why? And it's like all directed at them. And you feel totally powerless and stuck, unable to change all of their horribleness towards you. And so the relationship's going to be less than it should be. And it doesn't mean it's like terrible. Maybe it's just, it's like, eh, you know, like, uh, you don't really like my coworker, but like, it's fine. We'll deal with it. Well, what if it could be better? So whether it's like genuinely bad or just not as good as it could be, there's still room to make it better. And when you don't see yourself having a hand in affecting a change on their part, you feel powerless and you feel stuck and you kind of, whether you realize it or not, you kind of just give up. And that's where I think almost all of us finds ourselves, at least in one relationship in our lives, more likely all of them. But um, that's where I was at too. And to be fair, like I'm not over that hump. Um, so with all that travel, you know, I'm married, I have a son. Um, I talk about all that in my first book and 
you know, my wife almost passed away uh, in 2011. And that's like, that's this, um, this aha kind of wake up moment I faced um, that became the genesis for my first book, Do a Day. And mm-hmm. it also meant that our relationship or our roles in that relationship took very specific patterns or, or um, definitions. Like I was the guy who did the stuff and our life was very focused around her needs and her, um, you know, how she's feeling and where she's at risk because like, look, we almost lost her. So like, it's all understandable. You know, I did the cooking and cleaning and, and I worked and, um, you know, even though I was gone five days a week, I still made all the food, did all the laundry, um, did all that grocery shopping, cleaned the house. Like I did everything in those two days. So the two days I was home were just like crazy. Um, just to try to minimize her burden because mm-hmm. she was still left with a lot relative to her health status and her energy levels. And so, you know, for her to be able to be alone for five days with no help, um, it really helps have like, you know, dinners are already cooked and waiting in the fridge or the freezer. And, you know, you don't have to worry about the clothes or, or whatever. Just get up, get our son fed into school and, you know, do whatever you got to do during the day and then heat stuff up at night and like, do bath time and bedtime and that's it. Um, but Brian, it also, I, meant, yeah, yeah. Can I interrupt? Because you said, and I just want to back up before we get too far, because I think this is really relevant that you said that you were escaping, but I've seen part of me that was escaping even the relationship with myself. Oh, so completely. Where in the 50, 75, 100 does creating that solid relationship with self come in? So that's really what do a day is about. And the way I see it, do a day is about your relationship with yourself and how you feel about yourself, like your self-worth, um, your sense of your true motivation, your, your passions. You know, we talked about like doing work you care about. Well, like if you don't even know what you care about, how do you know what the work would be? Um, right. and, and figuring out how to channel that clarity and that belief in yourself that you're capable and deserving of whatever definition of better you have. Mm-hmm. towards actually overcoming what you face and achieving it. And that is, it's very much a personal journey towards like an internal better. Right. Um, when you, and what I found is like, while I had, I had done that work and it's something you live every day, like done is not the right word for it. Um, I still, despite all the things I was achieving and all that, I still had difficult relationships and I still felt like, this is not the life that I really want. It's not like I'm not happy enough. And before, it's not that I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. It's that I didn't really think I deserved better or it's just like, well, that's just how it is. Now, because of how I valued myself and I saw my own potential, I don't think it's just how it is. I think it's something mm-hmm. we need to do something about. And so that's really what sparked 50, 75, 100 is my struggles in my relationship with my wife. And and to be fair, like plenty of other relationships too. Like I talk about stuff at work, um, you know, other family members, siblings, parents, step parents, like lots of different relationships that we face. I just wanted them to be better. And I kept finding myself at the end of the day, like after a tough interaction, being like, why did they do this? Why don't they just, you know, like a lot of why and just and them mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if you hear the word just watch out because what you're about to hear is just totally off base. It's like you're oversimplifying it. Like, can't you just be nice? Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't thinking of that. Like, let me just completely shift gears and just be nice because there's no reason why I wasn't being nice in your eyes. Wow. I'm thinking back to how many times I've already say, said just in this conversation, but I, to- I know it's a different context. Well, can't you just stop? Right. <laughs> so like, yeah, there's, wor- there's work in it. There um, absolutely is. Yeah. I, I'm even thinking back. So 2009, 2008, I lost my job. 2009, I was introduced to the law of attraction, which whether it's the yeah. law of attraction or mindset and mindfulness you know, practices, because I know they can be the same, but very different. I, mm-hmm. I it had never been part of my life before. How it was mm-hmm. was how it was in I, I don't want to say that my parents raised me to settle, but mm-hmm. as far as thinking big, that wasn't really part of our upbringing. 
yeah. be the best that you can be right now. And yep. you, you're going to get a job and, you know, you can negotiate for your starting wage, but don't really think too far out. Mm-hmm. Just do the best that you can do right now. So being introduced to the law of attraction, I'm just going to pinpoint that totally changed me. And I remember just this one day, that very day, my first interaction with my now ex-husband, when I realized I have the right to be happy and I Mm -hmm. choose if I'm happy or not, that was completely life-changing for me. And for the first five years or so with with my current husband, we were both in this state of well, I have to say we were, we were in a five-year extended honeymoon without the honeymoon period. Everything was hunky-dory. Yeah. But we also, we did our best to please each other. And we didn't really express when we weren't happy with anything. Because mm. we were trying not to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, wait a second, there's something really wrong here. Like, I am not happy with this. So I can keep on not being unhappy or not being happy and just not say anything because I don't want to rock the boat. Or I can express it. And that's what relationship in a relationship would we should have that ability, that freedom to share what we're feeling without being told that our feelings are wrong. And yeah. I think from my first marriage to my second marriage, that was a big underlying fear of mine was sharing my feelings and being told that my feelings are wrong. Mm. Yeah. But it's two-sided too, because yeah. I found myself when when those doors were open in my relationship now, I had to be willing to accept it the other way too. And I these past five years have not been the blissful honeymoon state of the first five years. Yeah. Because now we're both expressing how we feel. And there's a lot of there's a lot of junk. Let's just put it that way. There's a lot of junk. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. But we can work our way through it. I think a lot of the time, though, we have to realize that we do a lot of assuming. Yep. We assume how the other person's feeling. We assume how what they think. And letting the assumptions go, this is fresh, by the way, because I, we just actually had a, a discussion. It wasn't an argument last night. And I had to say, you know, sometimes... Okay, this is completely TMI. I wasn't in the mood, okay? Mm-hmm. And he thought it was all about him. And I said, sometimes it's not all about you. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm stressed. It has nothing to do with if I'm attracted to you or not. Yeah. So learn to have faith in me and understand that I'm in love with you. I'm attracted to you. It It's just in this very moment, no, I don't want to. Yeah. And it doesn't have anything to do with me wanting you or not yeah but we can we can blow it up and think oh my gosh there must be something seriously wrong here well often there's not it's don't make mountains out of molehills yeah um friends of mine the cullenanes uh sam and pat or patrick patty they've written uh this relationship book after they actually went through the divorce process their lawyer was just lazy and never filed the papers and a year later they um they had started to reconcile and wanted to get back together and found they didn't actually have to do anything. They were still together. Uh, but one of the the things they talk about in their books that I absolutely love is this idea of not owning it. Like don't own their feelings. Don't make it about you. If like, you know, they had a bad day and they're snapping at you, like that doesn't feel good, but it may not have anything to do with you. And so if you can separate from that, you're less likely to react and, you know, then it ruins your days. Like just recognize like, whoa, okay, they're going through something. I don't think I deserve that. It's not about me. I'm just going to step back versus like, how dare you? And what do you mean you don't love me? And it's like, no, they're just reacting because they're dealing with something. And that's kind of what humans do. I didn't know that they were your friends. They're former yeah, guests did you know them too. too. They're awesome. They're a lot of fun. I wonder, if, I wonder if you're the reason that they were on my show. Um. That's Maybe. just so I crazy. Know. I it's met such... them last August. So how funny. I don't know when you would have had them on. I mean, I definitely told them a bunch of shows, but before before last August. Yeah. Yeah. So it wouldn't be me then. Yeah. Wow. We're well, all in the same. To... We're all in the same orbit. I love it. Yeah. I can never believe how every single day the world gets smaller. Totally. 
Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to join the Work Smarter, Not Harder Challenge. Over the course of 30 days, these free, yes, free, short videos will teach you a few of the systems and strategies I set up in my business so I can get away from my computer and back to the people I love. I invite you to sign up now at WorkSmarterNotHarderChallenge.com. Again, you can sign up at WorkSmarterNotHarderChallenge.com. So I don't feel completely right saying this, but I have to say that one of my coping mechanisms lately, I mean, while your wife has had her health issues, my husband has PTSD and, and he's disabled. So he's got severe back pain. And sometimes those are projected outward. And I understand because he's in a a lot of pain and I've had to realize there's only so much that I can do. I can try to make it easier, but there's only so much that I can do. So when he gets in one of these things, that's the best way I can say it. I've actually created a, a, a mental music track that I will flip the switch on and I will just turn it on in my brain. And listen to it while he's going off because it's actually really t- clever. Oh, it works amazingly yeah. until you accidentally start singing while they're still <laughs> going, which I've done, but accidentally, but I had to do something because mm-hmm. when, when the, for lack of any better expression, when the verbal vomit was coming, you know, I realized that I, I was soaking too much of it in and that wasn't mine to own. And I had to do something to protect my space. Some more spiritual people will say grounding and put up your coconut and whatever. That doesn't work for me. So the the mental music playlist really started to work. Interesting. Well, we all need mechanisms. Yeah. Well, so I that's kind of what I was in search of initially. So, you know, things were were not great between us and the good thing was like I just had to make it through till like Sunday night and then I could get into bed and then no one would see me again until Friday night so you know when you said like was the traveling like the relationships on the planes and whatever is that what led to the book it was more the fact that like yes I had to go to my job but there's also a reason why like it was probably the best thing for us to for me to be gone so frequently because we just were headed in the wrong direction and we were around each other too much um, without really knowing how to work through it. So, you know, the, the distance kind of forced us to not engage, Mm. um, which is terrible. And then like, you know, we were both so burnt out on the weekend and I was like running around like a chicken with its head cut off trying to get stuff done because I had such a limited amount of time and so much to do that. It's not like we were connecting meaningfully then. Um, and I'd be like passed out at nine and nine at night. Like as soon as our son was in bed, I'd be like out cold. I was about to say, when did you ever get any time for yourself? Because I know that even when you were traveling, yeah, I mean, you, there were nights that, and I think the unretirables would meet at nine o'clock or so. Yeah. You would. I fell asleep be- on a couple of those calls. I got to say. You did. I <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> uh you would just be getting back from the office and there were yeah. some nights that you were still hopping onto calls afterwards. Yeah. Did yeah. you find any time for yourself? I did. Um, you know, I, I'm a morning person and so I just got up early and part of the downside of my Monday flights is like my circadian rhythm was just like toast. So I generally wake up between three and five every morning. I work out a lot. And so like that was my me time. Um, and you know, I had all this plane time and to be fair, like I was alone five days a week, like four nights, you know, I'm either in this apartment I had in Atlanta or I'm in, uh, you know, some hotel in New York city or San Francisco or Chicago, um, or sometimes white plains, New York, which is definitely not in the top three versus those other cities. I'm familiar with white plains. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with white plains, but I think even people in white plains would say like, yeah, I get it. Like I'd rather go to San Francisco or uh-huh. Chicago, um, you know, or like whatever Dallas or some other city. Um, it has the traffic without all the perks. That's, I think that's pretty well said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a 
like a Qdoba or something in the parking lot of the Sheridan I would stay at sometimes. That was like, I would go out to the Qdoba. That was my event for the night. Um, anyway, God, we end up talking about just the most, like we talked about Brussels sprouts and lettuce when you were on my show. Yep. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, we kept butting heads and of course we each feel like you're the problem, not me. I've done all this work. I'm fine. And, and you're broken. And, um, you know, of course we were each right. Um, at, cause it was both of us. So like, you know, my wife's insistent, like you need to go talk to a therapist, um, which I had done in the past and I was totally fine with that. And I was like, you know, I had always had this block that like they had to be in Boston. And so I couldn't see anyone. And I was like, Oh wait, they could totally be in Atlanta. And, you know, like I do have some dead time here and there. I could certainly schedule it. Um, I was very senior at the company. So like if I wanted to leave at four for an appointment, I can, I don't have to get clearance from anyone. Like I reported to the CEO, like I, I could do what I needed to do. Um, so like I can make that work. Um, so I found someone in Atlanta and my intention was like the song in your head. Like I just need some coping mechanisms to deal mm -hmm. with how she's treating me. So like if I could just not get pulled into it, if I could just not react and just let her go off and then she'll fizzle out, but not egg it on or make it worse. That's what I need. And it's hard for me. So, you know, I just need to be able to deal with her being so bad to me. Mm. Um, and luckily like the therapist saw through that. She's like, yeah, right, buddy, you got to do some work yourself. Like it's not all your wife. Mm. Um, it's both of us. And one of the things that she introduced me to was this book called open heart, clear mind by a Buddhist monk named Tupton Chodron. That is to this day, the most amazing thing I've ever read. And what is the title one more time? Open heart, clear mind. And I, I reference it so frequently. I just set up a link, like an easy link. It's just brianfalchuk.com slash OHCM for open heart, clear mind. And that'll take you right through to the book on Amazon. Um, it's awesome. And so I get it. And I start reading it pretty much right away. And I'm like 30% through it a um, couple days in. And I remember I was sitting at my son's karate dojo while he was in class, like the Saturday that I got it. Um, and I just, I think I said out loud, like, whoa. And the parents are all buried in their phones. So no one actually, you know, reacted or anything. But I had this like, like you talking about snoring on the plane. I was like, oh God, people, oh no, no one cares. Okay. Um, but I was just totally blown away once I got over the embarrassment of like shouting out whoa in front of you know 20 <laughs> people who don't know me. Um, yeah. But it, there were just idea and I kept doing it like idea after idea that just made sense to me in life as a whole. But I really got it in the relationship context. And there were three things in particular that I was like, these three together give me an extremely different sense of what's going on in any, not just my wife, in any relationship. And more importantly, like reading them was the first time I felt like, hey, you've got some power here. You're not just at the, you know, it's not 50-50. You're not just at the mercy of the horrible person on the other side of the table. Like you can, you can do something other than just biting your lip, which mm -hmm. is all I thought I could do. And that, that just woke me up. And so I started to think through the three things are happiness seeking, interdependence, and impermanence. And happiness seeking is, is the big one. That's where I shouted out, whoa. And it's just the idea that and it goes back to what we we're saying before is everyone just seeks to be happy. That's why we do everything we do. Mm -hmm. And in the context of fighting with someone or being mistreated by someone, if, you know, if you get yelled at by someone, you have to realize like, that's not actually what they want. They're, they didn't wake up that morning like, oh, it's a really nice day. You know what I'd love to do today? Let me find Brian. I just want to scream at him. Like, that'd be great. Let me just do that. No, like there's something going on inside of them that they want. And they feel that you're a threat to that or you stand in the way or you're working against it or something that is taking away from that quest they have for the thing that they care about. And the context I use to explain it to people so that they really get it and I, this literally happened like the week after I started the book is being stuck in traffic and getting cut off. And we've all been there. Maybe it was in White Plains, you know, maybe it was in Boston or, or some other city, but like we've all been cut off on the road before or experienced road rage at the hands of someone else. 
And if, if we haven't, like, you're amazing, you're extremely lucky, but you probably understand the concept. I get cut off in my small town all the time. So it totally, like it happens. And what most people do is they yell, they honk their horn. Maybe they try to cut the person back off, like to get them back. I've seen Uh, birds that aren't in any bird book. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But And then you're like, oh God, the kids are in the back seat. Did Uh I just do that? And it's not like the person hears you, but like. Hey, I didn't say I did it. I've seen it. You're asking for a friend. No, I Uh I hear you. Um, But it's, you know, like we're doing all these things back, but nothing's actually achieved and we're worked up. And especially like if you try to cut them off in response, you might just cause an accident. So you're just escalating it. But what I realized, and like I live in Boston, it happens plenty. And I was in Atlanta a lot and I had a car down there and sorry for everyone. I'm going to offend down there because there's like 7 million people there, but, um, or two or whatever it is. Um, they're not the best drivers. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And you all live with insane traffic and, I just think like you could get yourself through that if you drove more purposefully like mm-hmm. we do in Boston. I know people come down on us for this, but <laughs> when you get cut off and you feel personally attacked or offended, let me remind you when that person got on the highway or the road or wherever you are, they weren't seeking out your car to get in front of you. That's not the happiness they were seeking. When they got on the highway or got on the road, they're trying to get where they're going. And for whatever reason, they felt like getting in front of you, that one car difference is all like that would make them happier. It would bring them closer to their goal. And that's what they needed. You just happened to be the random person who they spotted your car. Mm. But like, so I got cut off by this van. It had like a plumber logo on it. And, uh, and you know, my normal response would be like, uh, you know, I'm going to teach him or he's not going to get in front of me or like, you know, that insert some word, uh, you know, unkind thing to say about him. But actually it's like, okay, when he got on the highway, he wasn't like, where's that blue car? Let me find that one. Oh, there he is. Like he he doesn't know who I am. He wasn't seeking me out. This isn't like a chase scene in a movie. You know, like there's no connection here. He just wanted to get where he was going. Funny enough, that's exactly what I wanted to. So instead of feeling attacked, suddenly it's like, oh, I get it. I understand what he's after. And he just made a call that was like one car is all I needed. Right. And, you know, and I'm sure there were others too. Um, and so I didn't feel worked up. And actually like when it was happening, I had a smile on my face and I let him in mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, so now I'm one car further back. Does that really matter? And I was getting off the next exit. He was still sitting in traffic. So it's like, actually I'm fine. He's still stuck in traffic. Oh, and by the way, he's a plumber. Maybe like someone's house is flooding. Maybe their toilet overflowed. Maybe their boiler isn't working. Maybe it's like an elderly person who, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's a risk to their life because their house is freezing cold now. He just had um, to deal with poop all day. Yeah. Like any number of things you don't know. what. And like right. if it's just a regular car, you don't know if that person's like racing home to or racing to the hospital to see like you know someone they care about who's been in an accident like you don't know anything about their story but you took it personally when it wasn't meant to be and even if outwardly they were attacking you like if someone you know just comes at you and they're calling you names and they're nasty to you it's not that they're not doing that but there's a different reason underlying it, why they're doing it. And they may not even understand that. It, it could be that, you know, they've suffered a lot of trauma. Maybe they were abused and that's why they're abusing you. And for them, it's about that abuse makes them feel like they don't have control and don't have power. And so they lash out and they follow the same behavior they wish they didn't suffer through because mm-hmm. it gives them a sense of control and power, even just in a moment. And I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying you should allow it or you should stand for it. But what I am saying is recognizing that can help you respond differently and find a different path forward, which may mean, you know, if it's not like a life-threatening situation or you're not being abused or something. Um, and in those cases, I, you know, I'm very clear in the book, like I'm not saying you sit there and, and get beaten. That is not the answer. But if it's one where, you know, like my wife and I or a coworker who was just terrible to me, maybe there's another way that I can interact with them that would bring about a change in their behavior. And that was this wake up that I started to have through the idea of happiness seeking. Wow. 
I want to clarify one thing. Um, yeah. Like in what I started to do, because I drive a 1996 GMC conversion van. I can't wait until the day when I can stop saying that. This beast sometimes takes a little while to actually move. Yeah. <laughs> and people get irritated, you know, mm. when, when they're running late for work. But when they would honk at me and show me the bird, I started showing them a smile and I love you, like sign language sign back. Yeah. And the looks of confusion on their face are classic. <laughs> yeah. So I don't feed into it, number one, because of my kids, but number two, because I love the looks of surprise when I show them a smile and the I love you yeah. sign. I want to thank you because you just gave me a whole bunch of clarity. And I had started getting the clarity last night, but we're coming out of a weekend. I already shared. You know, my husband has his back issues and there were about two days when I was just not happy because I was not getting the attention and the warm fuzzies from my husband that I wanted. And I'm not saying I needed him to sit by me and watch, you know, hold my hand and all that. No, but he, he was like, it felt like the cold shoulder. Yeah. I ended up talking last night and we had gotten our lawnmower back from repair on Saturday, two days ago. Yeah. And he went out and mowed the lawn. We have two teenagers that he should have designated it to. Yeah. But he went out and did it. And the lawn was like a foot long. Yeah. Okay. So that's a beast. Yeah. And by the end of mowing our lawn, he was wrecked. Yeah. And it never even clicked to me. Wow, this guy's in pain. He he also didn't share it, but I had taken it personally. Yeah. And I I just hadn't even stepped back. And in my husband not directly related. My husband had a, a track history of women who would use and abuse him before me. So we actually broke up before we got married for a few months because he was waiting for me to use and abuse him. He didn't see how, you know, I could actually, this is going to make me sound big headed, but I'm not. Um, he didn't see how I could actually be as good as he thought I was pretending to be. You thought, mm. it, you know, Kim, that's really common. That's really common. You bring there's, it's like, there's a third person in the relationship. Yep. So we had yeah. broken up for a bit and then we got back together and he realized, Oh my gosh. So there are actually good people out there. I mean, wife number yeah. one kept on leaving him when he was deployed, when he was in the service, oh. like he would get home to an empty house and wife number two cheated on him. The second that he got restationed, like in the weeks that in between when she was going to be restationed to be with him, she slept with everybody else in the shop. So, and then there were other, you know, girlfriends and such who equally mistreated, but I realized it goes both ways. He thought that he had to give, give, give. And he, he let me know this really early. He's all about doing things for other people. But when we forget to do things for ourselves, which I think now at 40, you know, he still struggles to realize he has to do things for himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard for a lot of people to grasp. Yep. Like I asked him a couple of weeks ago, I said, do you just want to like, just go for, go for a drive, just yeah. get out of here. I mean, even go sit in the van if you want to for a little bit and get some quiet. Yeah. Just get out of here because you need that space and you don't give you, yourself that space yeah and until we do until we start realizing that we can take that space then we don't know how to give the space to other people yes what do you find is where do you see the the biggest uh incline in the 50 75 100 and i know there's not like well unless you created it there's no roadmap that says this is this percentage, this is per- this percentage, but where yeah. do you see the biggest incline? So I, I don't, I'm not a prescriptive person. I do think every situation is unique and that's why like there isn't a workbook in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the hardest part is there's, there's a, there's a couple of things. One is just recognizing this happiness seeking idea in the moments like it's a really, it, it's not a concept when I talk to people about it, like, nah, that doesn't sound right. Um, you know, when we're like having a calm discussion or I'm being interviewed or something, or, you know, I'm doing a coaching session, people all get it. 
But when you're actually in the midst of the fight and the person's actually saying those things to you and your, your brain's like overheating, that's tougher. So there's definitely something in the application of it. And that's why what I talk about in the book is it's pre-work before you find yourself in those states so that you have, you have the reference points like, okay, you know, when we get in this kind of argument, what's that really about? What are they after? Like, you know, I anger my wife when I do this or my boss comes down to me when, you know, when X, um, what is it that they might want? Not like, what am I doing? Because a lot of people are like, nothing. You know, that's the, that's the default answer. But it's like, what did they actually want from me? And it's through just thinking through that that you start to, to get to some really basic human needs. And, and that's, you know, I talk about that in the book is like, ultimately, my wife just wanted to feel that her concerns are validated, not rushed off. Like my response to like, oh, I'm freaking out about this is like, no, it's going to be fine because I'm a fixer. And like, I don't, I don't want the anxiety of it. I'm like, you know, we're going to be okay. We just do this and it's going to be fine. And for her, that just feels like, you know, her brain is, it's brushing her off and her brain is telling her danger, danger, danger. And then this person who she's turning to is saying, no, there's no danger. Don't listen. And and so her brain's like, oh my God, no one even gets it. There's even more danger now. So it's like, I'm actually making Mm -hmm. it worse. Um, So she wants to feel validated and heard and like, look, if this really is dangerous, I know this person's watching out. So they'll take me to the hospital or they'll, you know, do whatever it is. Not that they're ignoring it and thinking it's the boy who cried wolf. And so, yeah. You you stopped working in in Atlanta. Yeah, 2018. And then have been back in Boston full time. Sort of. Um, So for 2019, I was working with a startup I had been advising. I joined them full time for a year to do sales. And so I was on the road a lot. But I wasn't gone five days a week, but I was gone almost every week, at least one night pretty consistently. There were a few weeks where I'd be home, but um, I traveled a lot, but it's different. Did you finish the book before you left the company in Atlanta and started no. the startup? No. Uh, before I started the startup, but not before I, f- I left the company. I pretty much finished it. The problem was um, my last year at the company was really intense and mm-hmm. very emotionally draining. Um, and so I struggled on those flights to write like I did when I was writing do a day, cause I, I, I had a lot of other work to do like my core job and B I was really, really burnt out. And so it was like, you know, I'd sit down to write and I would have to spend so much time just reorienting myself to the material that, you know, if I had like an hour and a half of laptop time on the flight. Most of it was burnt up just getting myself back into the project. And so I made very little progress for a long time. And I don't, I don't write like that. Like there are people who are like, just write a page a day and, you know, less than a year later, you'll have your book. I, that's not how I write. I write in thoughts. So when I have a thought I want to discuss, I need to write it out fully. And the chapters are structured that way. They're, they're ideas. So I need to work through that idea. Um, so it was when I left the company, the book was probably like 70% done. Um, and then I could dedicate some more time to it, including like I spoke in New Jersey and opted to take the train there. And it's like a five or six hour train ride. So the train ride down is when I finished all the writing and the train ride back is when I did a lot of the editing because I just had a good long time to just sit and read and write. Right. How much did that adjustment play into final revisions and editing of the book? Um. It definitely, like, I really felt detached from the words of the book. I felt, I felt super connected to the idea because mm-hmm. I'd been living it. And like, you know, I've been coaching people with it. Like, I definitely still felt connected to the idea. But because the book was written in such fits and starts, when I, when I left the job in late October of 2018, it really was like, it almost, I'll admit, like it felt like a burden, like, oh, I still, you know, I got to go back. And basically, I, I felt like I probably have to rip the whole thing up. Um, the good news is apparently I'd done a much better job than I thought I did because as I reread it, I reread like cover to cover what I'd written. I was like, oh, all right, I get this. And I was like, okay, I, I need to jiggle this around a little bit. 
I definitely need to blow this argument out. And then um, the piece that wasn't written yet is, and this is how all of my books are, or my first two books, at least my third one's different. Um, Way different. Yeah, <laughs> totally <laughs> different space. Um, but my, like my self-help or personal development books, the last section is always about application. So I take mm. you through different situations in life and how can you take this thing you just learned about in the first part of the book and apply it to that situation. That's really what I was building out um, in those fall months before starting the next job. And then I started the, the job in February and just kind of slowly worked through the edit process. I have an editor who I think the world of. Um, I listened to other people and worked with a different editor. Hmm. And he was terrible, took forever, and ended up ghosting me and delivering about 30% of the edit just taking half the money. Um, so that, you know, that delayed everything. I also was trying to time it around, like, when do I want to release the book? So, um, mm. yeah, just, it, it took a while to put this one out. Very different process from the first one, but I, I genuinely love the finished product, but it took me having the mental space to re-engage with it, to be able to see that. I have found in my business that the the phrase the cobbler's kids' shoes are always broken is yeah. totally the case. Because <laughs> I mean, I do marketing automation for people and at this very moment when we are recording, I don't know that any of my funnels are working right now. They all worked at some point, but I haven't checked them all out at any other point. Have you been living by what you, have you been walking your talk, talking your walk, whichever way that goes? Because I, now that you're, I mean, and times have changed. I've been yeah. really, I've been really trying to make this non-date specific, but time have, times have changed and now you are at home. Yeah. So how, how's it going? Yeah. How's it going? Yeah. And I know that's getting really nosy, so I'm sorry. No, no, no it's fine. I'm not sorry at the same time. Um, well, you know, it's, it's better than it was before any of this. Good. Um, I have the tools to navigate things in a way that I didn't before. Um, I'll also be totally transparent. Like it's also really tough and, you know, I'm going through lots of stuff myself that just make it trickier for me to be actively mindful in each of those moments where I may otherwise feel attacked. Um, there's a lot of times where I think I've done really well and I can totally see like in the moment, like, okay, the old me would have been screaming right now or snapping back or whatever. And, and I'm just like, there are a few times in the past week where I'm like, my wife like came to me and like wanted comfort when moments before she had been screaming at me about something because of how I responded. Yeah. And so like, you know, that would just never have happened in those, you know, those three years or, or even before the three years really. Um, but you know, there's other times where like, I, I also have, um, I had back surgery, so I've got back issues. Um, I'm exhausted. I've like, I got my own stuff and I'm not, I'm not working for anyone right now for the first time ever. Like I took the plunge to do my own thing fully. And then the, you know, the world stopped. And so like all the speaking activity I had, like I, I got all this activity going and it all vanished overnight. Mm -hmm. And so I've got all of that anxiety and like, you know, how am I going to pay the bills and that kind of stuff. Um, so, so I just want to share with you that part of like part of with, so that it's not, First off, listeners, I hope you understand that we are being totally authentic and transparent here. And it's it doesn't mean that we're any less awesome. And when you are admitting that you are not okay, that's okay. That's more than okay. Yeah. Like you have to know that if you're struggling, it is not only all right, but almost well, not even almost, it's your responsibility to seek out the support that you need, whether it's a friend or a significant other or professional help to get the support that you need and move forward. So I don't want you to think any less of us for being transparent because I think that's where a lot of other people get it wrong. Yeah. And Oh no, I, I wouldn't taken, do it any other way. Yeah. And it's taken me a while to admit that because we're here, you know, we are influencers. I think 
some people look at influencers as being bigger. I'm trying to figure out the words I'm trying to use, but have the spotlight and, you know, 50 gazillion followers. No, just by being out there and sharing your message, you are an influencer. So if if you're listening and you're sharing your message, you are an influencer. And I think the mistake that too many influencers get into is not sharing the imperfections. Yeah. So um, last night the when we were having this discussion and I was sharing with my husband that I was stressed and he's like, well, what do you think is the worst case scenario? And something that I found is that I think we're in a better situation now that we, than we've ever been in. So I'm putting a lot of weight on myself to do what I can do now to make sure that we come out of this world change in an even better situation. I don't mean financially. I just mean having my own system set up. So there's a lot of weight there. And his first thing, he's an, he's a fixer too. And that those, when you said that, I almost started laughing because mm. those are the exact words that he's used. So he wanted to jump in and, and fix right away and give me solutions right away. And there's a lot of times, just like your wife, just like you were saying about your wife, I just want to be listened to mm. and be able to, just by being able to spill it out of my mouth, then I feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. But I, sometimes I'm that balloon that when I keep it all inside, I'm just going to pop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never used that metaphor before, but that's that a good one. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think the only way we can be is authentic. And, you know, all, all the things I'm saying I'm dealing with are not, it's not me complaining and it's not me making excuses. It's just like, look, I'm human. Mm-hmm. And just because I wrote this book doesn't mean like we go around skipping and smiling and, you know, looking into each other's eyes. And like her health is still very much an issue. And she's got lots of stuff on her shoulders and lots of concerns. And this situation we're in is amplifying all that. So, my point being, I think we are in a better place than we were. Mm-hmm. I think we have tools we didn't have before. And that's not just me. She's also done work and we've done work together. Um, but life is life and it will continue to be hard. And I think one of the key things to learn from that is when I talk to some of the folks I coach and they say things like, you know, it's really busy at work. I just need to get through this. Or, you know, my husband and I or my wife and I have been struggling because like, you know, their parent is in the hospital or like whatever the stress is, we just need to get through that hip replacement and then we'll be okay. It's like, no, that's not life. Life isn't, it's that word just, right? Like we just need to get through X. Well, like life doesn't just suddenly become fine always and forever after that. We deal with things, you know, we have ups and we have downs and you can't, you can't predicate your happiness on everything being smooth because you're going to fail. So you have to do the work whether things are smooth or bumpy and you have to recognize that better is not, it's not a linear path to better. Like you will have better days and you'll have worse days and you have days when you're like, I really feel good about how we did with that. You have days where like this sucks and I can't, you know, like we'll never work out and that's normal. Have some compassion for it, but do keep at it. I love that you use the word normal because I used to use that just we just need to get through this i can't wait until life is normal and by normal i meant without the chaos yeah and then there right. was that big day that i realized oh my gosh no such thing and th- this is going to make the life of kim sound <laughs> crazy but there is not a day without chaos no. in the house of kim and the sons it, it doesn't happen and if there is a day where there is no chaos, you know, no splinters, no falls, no broken glasses, no nothing, then that is an abnormal day around here. Yeah. Then you get a worry. And then people are like, you know, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you have. Exactly. Yeah. Brian, can you give the name of your book again since I did such a good job watching it earlier? <laughs> well, okay. So secretly, I don't mind when people get it wrong because it's a chance to have that conversation and embed uh-huh. the name in people's minds more. But it's the 50, 75, 100 solution, build better relationships. And those numbers are just about our shares in the relationship dynamic, whether it's 50-50, which I don't believe in. 75 is about you actually having influence over half of them. So you get another quarter of the whole. And if you can do that, 
then you can move to 100% better. So that's the 50, 75, 100 solution. And there's even a graphic inside so you can understand the numbers. It's not a math lesson. Mm. I kept on thinking all through while we were talking about this that I wanted to throw one more book out there, but I didn't want to overshadow yours. And this is not meant to overshadow. It's complimentary. Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a story that she tells in there about her husband. He goes into the refrigerator and it's dare to lead. It's not a, I mean, yes, there's part of relationships and leadership. Actually leadership is about relationships, but it's a whole nother like context. So I think it would be a very complimentary. Yeah. But her husband goes into the refrigerator to get ham or something and says something, don't we have any ham or something like that? And she took it personally. Mm. And the whole chapter, I'm not going to give it away because it's just so interesting to read it from Brene Brown's perspective. You know, here's here is truly an influencer who admits that she took, you know, she thought it was a personal attack when it, actually it wasn't. So, yeah. listeners, we have given so many great resources, including Brian's books, Do a Day, and the 50, 75, 100 solution, Build Better Relationships. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> So I invite you to go over to the show notes page where you can find all the resources, find the transcript, and please leave a comment. Let us know what your ahas were. So to find the show notes, please head on over to thekimsatin.com forward slash PP653. And really leave, leave your comments down below. We love comments. We love feedback and we will respond because if, if we don't know that you're listening, I don't, I don't, I had something great I was going to say, but it really does a lot for us to know that you're listening, to know how we can better serve you and to know what an impact that we're making in your life. So please do. Brian, also share about your podcast, please. Oh yeah. So my podcast is called Do A Day. Um, It used to be called the Do A Day podcast. And then Justin Shank made a great point. Like, why do we have to, we don't say so-and-so radio show or TV show. We just call it a show. So I'm going to own that podcasting as a regular media outlet. It's called do a day. And it's, um, my book do a day is my story of overcoming and achieving. And the show is a chance to share the stories of other amazing people who have their own context and their own stories. So that if my story didn't resonate, maybe one of theirs will. Um, and I'm really lucky to get to do that. I just passed episode 100. So I'm very excited for that. I got a long way to go to catch up to you, Kim. But um, I wouldn't I'm strive keep to at do it. that because like, <laughs> I started it with a daily show. So don't yeah, yeah. put yourself no, through I'm that not, stress. I'm not, but um, I am excited to still be doing it. And I have been, honestly, um, I genuinely mean the word blessed to get to uh, connect with the people that I have. And um, I've, I find myself inspired by every episode, which is how I know that it's working and I should keep doing it. So hopefully other people will too. It's like millions of dollars of free coaching, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now I should think I should uh, charge more per hour to get up to that millions part. But um, yeah, no, it's it's just, it's such a great way to hear people who are like, wow, like, yeah, I went through that too, or I'm going through that too, or okay, I'm not going through that, but that really resonates with me. And I see how what they did could help me. Mm. That was just so beautiful. I'm not even going to try to top it off. Brian, where's the best place for people to go connect with you, learn more, and you just see yeah. more of your awesomeness? So thank you. Um, so people can get everything at brianfalchuk.com. It's B-R-Y-A-N-F-A-L-C-H-U-K.com. My books, my podcast, my articles, um, everything. And I'm Brian Falchuk all over social media. Fabulous. Brian, do you... well? First, we're not going to wait another five five hundred episodes before we do a part three. So I'm just putting it out there. Okay. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? I really do think this notion of happiness seeking is something literally every human being needs to spend more time with. And you know, the context we talked about was thinking about the happiness that the other person is seeking, so that you can step down yourself and your response, but also think about what to appeal to in them. Like if you know what they actually want, then you can redirect your words and your actions towards that or towards showing them that 
you can actually support that desire, not not be a threat to it. But back to an early point you made about ourselves, you can't really do this unless you understand the happiness you seek yourself. So to understand what you actually care about and what you wish for, spend that time to do that. Whether, like you said, it's just stepping out and sitting in the car alone or you know, going for a walk or even just taking an extra couple of minutes in the shower, actually sit down in the shower and just let the water hit my head and just think. Um, you need to understand what it is you really want if you expect your life to make you happy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Mm -hmm.